You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. Welcome back to another episode of Partnernomics Podcast. I am Mark Brigman, and we've got Mr. Tyler Pippen over there in the hot seat. <laughs> How you doing? Good, man. How are things going? It's opening day for Major League Baseball, so you know I'm doing well. I am so pumped. Oh, it's about time. This day could not come soon enough. I mean, <laughs> watching golf live is cool, man, but dude, I'm really missing some baseball. I'm yeah. missing some real live sports. Absolutely. Absolutely. You miss uh, so you played some college ball, right? That's right. All four years. You miss you miss playing some college ball? Yeah, I miss playing for sure. Especially how it ended a little short this year, but it's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right man so uh what uh what do we got lined up so we've we got some questions coming in yeah through the website right yes sir we knock out a couple of those yeah let's start with a couple of them okay so starting out chris from tennessee he asked what is the best four-year degree to get if he wants to be a business development manager yeah good question um so i would say that Well, unfortunately, Chris, there really is no program per se um, that you can jump into really any university that I'm aware of in the U.S. that is focused on this world of strategic partnering. Um, I think it was last summer I did a workshop at Andreessen Horowitz, uh, one of the top venture capital firms in the the country. And um, at that workshop, I asked... There was 70, 70, 75 people, you know, business development, strategic partnering gurus uh, from uh, Andreessen Horowitz, A16Z, from their portfolio companies. And I asked them what, you know, how, how did they learn this art and science of strategic partnering? And every single one of them said the same thing, and that is trial and error. Yep. And so they're, you know, so I, I would say, Chris, the the main thing to study, I would kind of do two tracks. One is study some form of business and and build some acumen there. The the role with a biz dev leader is is very broad, very diverse, mm-hmm. right? So you're going to be building business cases one day, you're going to be doing pitch presentations. Um it's it's kind of the full gambit of things that that you will that you're going to experience. So a, a general business degree, a bachelor's in business is a very wide degree, right? You're going to touch marketing and accounting and management. And if you're smart, you'll take some economics courses and mm. you know all that kind of cool stuff. So it's very, very wide. Um, so study, get that, but then know that that is your track. That is your interest is in getting in this biz dev environment. And whenever you have opportunities to um, do research papers, write papers, do presentations, do it with the eye of of the biz dev role, of strategic partnerships, right. and dig into different resources that are available. Yeah. And we'd prefer you to dig into Partnernomics. Yeah, Partnernomics <laughs> specifically. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Good question. Yeah. Uh, next is Sarah. And Sarah asked, why is it important for her to maintain a wish list when negotiating a partnership deal? Yeah, another good question. So a wish list, what in the heck is a wish list? 
And so as we are structuring these strategic partnering deals, you know, we, we have our, our must-haves, right? We've got our, our specific needs, quote-unquote, you know, that, that we have to come out of this relationship with. And in addition to those needs, we also have some nice-to-haves. Well, as we get deeper into the negotiating process, there's going to be some back and forth, mm-hmm. right? They're going to want... 3% more rev share. They're going to want six month or 12 month longer contract or shorter contract, or they're going to want you to put in $10,000 a month as a co-marketing budget. There's, there's all of these little puts and takes that go into negotiations, right. go into these kind of bargainings. And a wish list is these nice to have items that we can slide in as, as an offer, counter offer, whatever the case may be. Um, but it's typically, or they can be, whenever they're used most effectively, it's ways that we can get a lot of value, but it doesn't necessarily cost our impending partner a lot of value or a lot of money. So, right. for example, um, let's say that we're a small company and we want to... Um, put a deal in place with a large company, right? We call them Sumos. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the best things that you can do is to get a press release, get some sort of branding mm-hmm. and a commitment for, for some branding that it doesn't financially really cost them anything other than a little bit of time, um, but it can be massive. It can be absolutely massive for your company. Um, so that's one little wish list item that we encourage smaller companies in that case to, to think about. But the only way you can use a wish list in a bargaining situation or in a negotiating situations is if you have one. Yeah. Create so one. <laughs> yeah, create one and keep it updated. There's, right. there's always going to be different opportunities to add, adjust your wish list. And yeah, the only way you can use the tools if it's in your pocket. Yep. Absolutely. And business is always changing, so being up to date with it, it's yeah. just gonna, I mean, you're going to be maximizing. So the negotiating process—it's—it's it's not a one-sit, one-conversation no. sort of a deal, right? There's a lot of this, back and forth. Yeah, there's this back and forth that could—it almost seems like it always goes for months. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, literally, it could you know go beyond that. But uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, a lot of things change, and as as you dig into more information. Um, there's more things come to light and yeah. more opportunities that are, that are there. Absolutely. Um, so Mark, for the third question and last one for today came from Jeff and Jeff is working for a company and he said he was new to his specific company and he's leading his referral partnering program and they have over 50 referral partners, but only a few actually generate sales for them. And he wants to know what he can do or should do to fix the program. Yeah, great question, Jeff. Um, I was literally just on a call, what, 45 minutes ago, um, talking to a, a gentleman out in San Diego that kind of has the same question or the same issue. We, we were talking this the same topic. And generally speaking, whenever people launch referral programs, they see it as a cheap way to potentially get leads. Mm-hmm. And they see it as, as a low-cost way to get leads. And what we need to remember is, even though we're not necessarily paying for the leads, 
uh, we're paying in time and time has a lot of value. Mm-hmm. So any partner that you have, you, know, I, I, you manage them to, to some level, some very little and, and some more intense. But I'll say generally speaking, and, and here we'll just kind of stick with the referral program, um, less is more. And tell yourself that again, you know, less is more. I would rather have five or six or seven rock star partners than 50 because I know out of those 50, I'm only going to have five or 10 rock stars. I'm going to have 40 that I'm going to have to manage or work with at some level. And they're just going to be a time suck. It's time consuming, right? I mean, my ROI is definitely negative on that last 40. Yeah. So Jeff, I would say, you know, really do a critical analysis of those 50 partners, figure out which ones are, are providing benefit to your company and figure out a way to either restructure your relationship with the other 40 um, or just terminate the agreement. You know, sometimes it's just, it's not, you're not aligned on the, the values. And uh, if they're not going to perform, then uh, you just, you need to lighten the load and, and go ahead and set those partners free and just focus on the ones, you know, just really cultivate the relationships with the ones that, uh, that you want to keep around. Um, but also throw another thing out there, and this is something that I, I commonly see, but I strongly recommend that whenever you put these agreements in place or these programs in place for referral partners, uh, there should be some minimum commitment, mm-hmm. right? There should be some obligation yeah. because if there's not, there's, there's no incentive to perform. Right. And man, I'm telling you, well over 90% of the time, if there's no commitment to perform, there will not be a performance. Right. And so I, I strongly encourage people to structure their programs uh, contractually and just from a policy perspective, structure your programs um, in a way that brings in obligations for both parties. That's the only way you can really use it as a, as a tool. Right. Yeah, that's where back to what you and I talk about a lot is if they're not, you know, if the commitments aren't equal or close to, you know, on both sides and one partner's carrying majority of the weight, that's where the issues arise, you know? Yeah, the value definitely has to go both ways. Right, yeah. And it can for the referral partners. You yeah. know, I mean, obviously yeah. for the one company that's that's getting these very cost-effective leads, huge and awesome for them. And then, you know, typically there's some sort of a finder's fee or there's there's some sort of a commission that goes back. So the value is definitely there. Yeah. Well, back to, you know, the topic of this podcast. Uh, on the previous podcast, we touched on, you know, we started to introduce the partnership success pyramid. And we touched on the first element being trust and talked about Paul, Zach, and some of the work that he's done in that field of trust. Uh, Today, we're going to be moving on to the second aspect of the pyramid, and that is alignment. So, Yeah, Paul's video, man, it was really fun to chat with him, but uh, now we've launched, I guess you launched the first thought leader Q&A, the question and answer out on LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, Man, maybe we should pause for a second and tell people how they can follow us or, you know, jump on LinkedIn or, or even the, the subscription to Q&As. You want to yeah. throw that out there real quick? Yeah. Uh, we're primarily active on LinkedIn, but Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, just at Partnernomics. And 
everyone can follow us on those. And yeah, to your point, I've been cutting up the, you know, thought leader conversations that we have into individual questions and putting them out on LinkedIn just to, you know, share the wealth of knowledge that we got from a lot of these interviews that you had put together. And now we have developed a subscription base. It's completely free, but if you go to the website, it's in the header and each week we'll be putting out new snippets of Q and A's with these different best-selling authors, professors, and just really powerful individuals in their fields. And, you know, we're going to put them out each week to people for free. All you got to do is fill out the form at the bottom of the page and, you know, we'll get those out to you each week via email. So awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. So we talked about the partnership success pyramid. We did spend uh, some time framing that up and mm-hmm. we, we call it the five imperatives of partnership success. And so trust is, is that foundational layer. And, you know, we chatted about that. But yeah, I thought uh, maybe for this podcast, let's do uh, a dive into alignment, which is the the second step up or the second imperative for partnership success. So whenever we think about alignment, what are we talking about and what does that mean? Um, I, I always use the analogy. So imagine you're on the West Coast, you're in a bus mm-hmm. and you're traveling toward the East Coast. And half of the bus wants to go to New York and the other half wants to go to Florida. Well, somewhere around Kentucky or so, <laughs> some, you know, half of half the bus going to be happy and half the bus is going to be uh, upset at a minimum. Yeah. Or maybe everybody is because you're not going to either place. But that's the same thing for partnerships. Um, alignment is all about making sure that, that you are in sync with not only who you are, but where you're wanting to go mm-hmm. and the, the communications that, you know, speaking the same language, so to speak. I mean, how many times whenever we talk about or see uh, mergers, acquisitions, partnerships, we, we hear the term or we hear the phrase, it didn't work out because of cultural misalignment or cultural mismatch. Right. You know, just the cultures didn't mesh. And really what they're talking about is there, there was not alignment. And so there's, there's four different components that we look at whenever it comes to alignment. And the first is vision. All right, so we talk about vision being that 10 to 20 to 30 year goal, kind of the, that summit, that peak of the mountain of what is going to define ultimate success for our company, mm-hmm. for our organization. And that's the, the North Star that is that long-term um, target that everybody in the organization is, is striving for. Right. And as, whenever it comes to alignment, as we're talking to and working with and evaluating potential partners, performing that due diligence, we need to share with our company and, and team, really what our, we, we say that from a biz dev or strategic partnering team, you should have a team vision, mission, and core values. And they should definitely either be the same or be you know, very consistent or very complementary to what your company has. Mm-hmm. But it is okay, especially for large organizations, right? I mean, I worked yeah. at Sprint. There was 85,000 employees at one time. And the company was so massive that we had individual uh, visions, missions, and even core values uh, within our teams. But that that really 
we, we say that vision, mission, core values, you can boil those down to one word, and that's culture. Mm-hmm. It's really what, how does your team operate? What is your DNA? And by looking at and evaluating two different organizations, vision, mission, and core values, you can really get a sense of their abilities to work together or not. Kind of paints that picture for you. Yeah, and I think that's a, it's kind of one of those softer sides of business. Mm -hmm. And frankly, it is largely overlooked. Yep. Largely overlooked. And it's not until we get six months down the road or a year down the road after we've already invested all this time, money, effort, energy into launching this partnership that we find that we, ne- we were never really aligned in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, we, half of us, you know, one organization was wanting to go to New York and the other half was wanting to go to Florida. Right. It just, it's never going to work. It's never going to be a good ride. Right. Absolutely. So that kind of touched on vision specifically. What, take a little deeper dive on, you know, the mission and how that carries weight and why it's important to alignment. Yeah, so mission is the way, if you think of the, the vision as you know, being that, let's call it you know, 10 to 20 year summit to the mountain, what we do is we draw a straight line between where we are today to that summit. Mm-hmm. And that area that's about two to three years out, really that's the mission. You know, so just like Simon Sinek talks about you know, in his book, um, Start With Why, he talks about purpose. And I couldn't agree more. But whenever we think about purpose, there's kind of this long-term purpose. You know, maybe a pharmaceutical company, they have a long-term purpose of curing brain cancer, right. of curing you name it. And, and that's their long-term vision. And then we can draw a line back to what about two or three years from now? What is, what is your purpose? What is your shorter term purpose? Mm-hmm. And what can we use as a compass to drive us every day if we can think about what this mission is? And, you know, for us at Partnernomics, it's, you know, making strategic partnering become a core competency for every client. And that's what drives us every day. And yeah. whenever we think about marketing that we're going to do, whenever we're thinking about launching podcasts, that is our litmus test of, of what we want to do. And so... From from a mission perspective, your missions definitely have to be aligned. Um, we say you know complementary or congruent. They don't have to be identical, and they probably won't be identical. Right. Um, but they definitely have to be complementary, so that as your partner, as they're executing their strategic plan, and wherever they're going to be a year from now, that where they are on their path has to intersect with where you want to be mm-hmm. on your path. And, and that's something that we don't put enough time into is to make sure that we are kind of naturally flowing together. In the same direction. It's, right. it's about going downstream or upstream. Mm-hmm. It's really, really tiring to swim upstream. Yep. Well, why not pick partners where we're swimming with the current yeah. and, and we can take advantage of, of that inertia. Mm-hmm. So the third uh, aspect of alignment is core values. So yeah, take a little deeper dive into that. 
Yeah, so core values, it's really, you know, we say three to five words that describes the DNA of, of every person that's that's on your team. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's four words. Um, vision, mission, core values definitely plays into that. Um, but with core values, ours are honor, courage, commitment, and economic value. And so those four things, those four words... Those drive what we do. It, it's what we use to make decisions. And it's how we hire people to come on board to work with us. It's how we partner with uh, different coaches and resource providers that we use. And if, if one company has, let's say one company has core values of being incredibly analytical always being right, mm-hmm. 100% perfection. That's great if, you know, if that's, if, if that's very intentional for that company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be perfect for them and it could work wonderfully. But that will, will not work well to partner with a company that they make decisions based upon having 50% of the information. Right. And they're very fast and agile and nimble. And it's not that one is better than the other. They're just different. Yeah. And there's definitely more than one way to run a company, to run a team, and more than one way to find success. Mm-hmm. But if we find partners that we are complementary with, that we are congruent with, then we will definitely do ourselves a favor and definitely maximize our probabilities of success. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, Lastly, we have goals here. So, you know, when I think of vision and goals, the two are kind of intertwined, but I want you to kind of help me understand the difference between vision and goals. Yeah, so we said that Vision is that, let's say, the 15-year mark out. Yep. And your mission is going to be the two to three-year mark out. And we say the goals is basically your 90-day mm-hmm. out. So if you think of drawing this straight line all the way back, your goals, those are the things that we wake up in the morning and we are directly knocking out right. and, and managing and you know, looking at our performance based upon those goals, those very, very short-term uh, outcomes, and uh, keeping those top of mind. But again, as we're talking about partners, we need to make sure that we have even our goals mm-hmm. aligned because what are our partners going to be spending their time on each quarter and definitely for that year? Their goals. Yeah. And if they're not running in the same direction or in a complementary direction, of our shared vision for this shared purpose for, for this partnership, then it's, um, it's, it's not going to give us the results that we're after. Right. Yeah. I mean, I talked about, we, we kind of did that as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, when I played baseball, you know, you had a vision for the team at where you want to go at the end of the year and then goals for the team, individual goals that just, you know, uh, minimizing those into smaller increments, making them more achievable. It just gets you on the right path of where you want to go eventually. Yeah, no question. Man. That's a great analogy. I mean, if yeah. you have a, a season goal, let's call it a mission to win the conference tournament. Right. Okay. So then back, 
back down from there. What do you need to do in order to win the conference tournament? Yeah. Well, we spend so much time doing, you know, practicing and you have the offensive side, defensive side. Uh, what tools do you need? I mean, you, you base everything, you build a plan and these deliverables based upon, you know, what that goal is. Yeah. Partnering's no different. Absolutely. Well, I think that about wraps us up time-wise for podcast number, what, what do we got now? I think this Fifth? is number five. Yeah. You're cranking them out now. Yeah, man, it's fun. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. It's crazy how fast they go. I know. <laughs> a little quicker than you thought. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Partneronomics Podcast. We'll see you next time. Partneronomics Podcast is brought to you by Partneronomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partneronomics Podcast, visit partneronomics.com. <laughs>